God wants to do so much in the house this morning. And I don't say that just because I'm speaking. I say it because I believe it and I feel it and I'm sure in my heart. I've settled it. I've sensed it. And I've determined it that God wants to do something in the house this morning in someone's life. And I just want to look at someone right now who you may not, you may not believe it right now, but God is going to answer some prayers in your life this morning. We are not alone. We are not alone. It may seem like God is 10,000 miles away. And it may seem like there's no one that can feel the way we feel. But we don't have a God that is absent from our feelings. We serve a God whose name is Jesus. God in skin. The mighty God in Christ. Jesus and God incarnate. Who has robed where we've walked in. Who put on flesh and walked where we walked. He's not absent from where you're at this morning. And I believe it in my heart that God wants to touch someone's life this morning. You are not alone. You hear me this morning. You are not alone. Tell yourself this morning, I'm not alone. Say it right now. I'm not alone. Come on, say it if you believe it. I'm not alone. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Wow, what a wonderful worship service. God's power is in this place. I'm so thankful for His presence. I'm so thankful for His presence. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team, for worshiping with us. Before I go any further, I would like to say congratulations to Ms. Dana Benson for being reelected as clerk of court. We're so proud that you belong to CLC. We're, you're God's, but you're this family's. We love you. We love you so much. She's a wonderful lady. She shared her heart, her heart with us a few weeks ago, and I believed it. I believed it in Jesus' name. I'm so glad to be able to speak the word of the Lord this morning. I feel like I have something directly from God for this body this morning. God gave me this, and I wrote this a few months ago. And when I wrote this, CLC was on my mind. So bear with me because I've preached this before, but this is where it was written for. My church, my body, my family. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 6. We're going to be reading from John chapter 6. And it reads like this. We're going to pick up at verse 10. And it says, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, and the number was about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Can I just tell you this morning that God will give you as much as you want? I'm not preaching some prosperity sermon. He'll give you as much of His Spirit as you want. He will give you as much peace as you want. He will give you much joy as you want. It just matters how bad and how desperate and how bad you want it. Verse 12 says, So then when they were filled, 
He said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your presence that's in this house. God, I thank you for your spirit because the word of the Lord says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Lord, I pray right now that you will let your Holy Spirit fall in this place this morning. Touch our hearts. Touch our minds. Let us leave here, Lord. Put back together. Reframe our lives. Reconcile us to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Let's give God one big hand clap of praise as I open this bottle of water. He deserves it all. This morning, I would like to speak to you from a subject of the leftovers. The leftovers. Look at your neighbor and say, the leftovers. I don't know about you. I love leftovers, especially leftover gumbo. It's the greatest thing on this earth. It's the greatest thing in cuisine is leftover gumbo. It seems to absorb every bit of the flavor, every bit of the taste, all the sausage, all the everything. The chicken's better. Everything is better. The leftovers. Something about leftovers. I'm preaching to you about the leftovers this morning. Hidden in the back of a local fabric store stands a table. It's a table that many don't even know exists. And if you're not careful, you could miss it. To most, it's just a table that's covered in worthless, random, useless pieces of leftover fabric. A table covered in remnants of something that used to be whole, but now is just a bunch of random leftover pieces. Most just see this space in the store as a waste. But to the trained eye, this table is a gold mine. They call it at the store a remnant table. It's where they gather all the fragments, the pieces of leftover fabric to place on the table to be sold for a portion of the original price. And as I stated to most people, this table, the remnant table, was just wasted space. It was a pointless attempt to sell something that should be discarded in the dumpster out back. It was used already. There was nothing left. There was no useful left, usefulness left for this fabric. It's just trash. It's just leftovers. But to the trained eye, when they walked into that fabric store and they saw the fabric setting on the remnant table, the possibilities of what could be were limitless, endless, and powerful. What was once useless, placed in the right hands, becomes priceless. The fragments of a pointless leftover material that's been drained of its entire purpose, some would say, it now finds new purpose in the mender's hands. These leftovers of useless remains are transformed into beauty and usefulness. In the mender's hands, what was just one unwanted fragments are sewn together and made whole. And what was useless now becomes useful. What was pointless now has purpose. And what was, in, uh, what was worthless is now invaluable. Proving all along that broken, useless fragments in the right hands can be made whole. That it is not over until God says it is over. That no matter the circumstance, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through in your life, as long as God is still sitting on the throne, it is not over. As long as Jesus still has the final say, there is still, there's nothing that can come in between you and your God. You may seem like a fragment. 
but you're not done until God says you're done. So this morning I want us to gather around the remnant table and see what beauty that God is going to put together for our lives in the house today. To see what God is going to mend back together. To see what reconciliation that the Lord is planning to do. To see what son and what daughter or what dream or what hope that God can breathe life back into. I'm here to tell you this morning, your hopes still matter to God. Your dreams still matter to God. Your future still matters to God. Your life still has purpose. Your life still has a point. Where God is sending you is better than where you're at. What God has for this church is better than what we've been through in Jesus' name. But we're talking about fragments. Life, it's full of fragments. Shattered dreams. Can I get an amen? Broken relationships. Broken families. Estranged kids. Broken jobs. Unfulfilled desires. Hurts, hang-ups, habits. Hard times. Layoffs. Recessions, depressions, anxiety. To name a few, and at times it seems like all we're left with is a bunch of fragments. And it would be easy to fixate and set our attention on the fragments and say, God, how could you ever do anything with this? When all we're left with is remnants, pieces of a life that we don't know what to do with. If you're honest with yourself this morning, you've already looked at your life this week and you don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to make heads or tails with it. You can't see a future with it. But I remind you this morning what the Lord says in Jeremiah 29 and 11. That I know the plans for you, saith the Lord. And I know my thoughts for you. And it's to give you an expected end. And as long as Jesus Christ still has his hand on the driver's wheel. As long as his hand is still on the, still on the steering wheel. There's still hope for us. We can't forget. In the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our tragedies, that we just need the right hands. So many times we get caught up in the wrong hands. We get caught up trying this or trying that or trying this substance or trying this person or trying talking about this or unloading to this person or gossiping to this person or visiting this website. We, fight, we try the wrong hands and the whole time God's like, would you just try me? Would you just bring your fragments to me? I feel like this morning, I feel a kindred spirit. Because I know you. Honestly, everybody's hurting. Everybody's going through something. That's not just CLC, that's the world. Everybody's broken. Everybody's going through pain. Everybody's faced with something. Everybody has a mountain standing in front of them that they don't know what to do with. So this morning, I know and I'm sure that I'm speaking to a group of people that can relate. They can relate to a fabric that feels like it's over. But we cannot forget that in the midst of our pain that God has a purpose. But this morning, even though you may feel like you've been cast away, you may feel like you've been thrown out and discarded. You may feel like someone's told you that it's over. You may have had someone say something about you. They may have been whispered about you. You may have made a mistake, but I'm here to tell you right now, I'm talking to someone that may feel like their life is over and there's no use left for you on the table. I want to look at you and tell you that your best years are not behind you. They are in front of you. Your best days are not behind you. The promises of God are still yay and amen for your life. And when God makes a promise, He's able to deliver on that promise.
I'm here to tell this whole room this morning that you may be looking at your life and may, you may only see brokenness and pain and heartbreak and depression and anxiety and maybe some abandonment. You're looking around and all you see is a bunch of pieces. All you may see is the pieces of a life, a remnant of what was supposed to be, pieces of what you were supposed to be. I'm talking to someone this morning that was so discouraged that you barely made it to church. You barely got your clothes on. You barely got here. I don't want to fluff this thing up. I don't want to paint some pretty picture because life is crazy and it gets messy. I want to talk a real message to some real people. And the real deal is, is we're all going through something. And the real deal is, is we're all faced with problems. But the main thing is, is we have a God. That has not abandoned us in our problems. He has not forfeited the fight for us. He has not given up on us. He's still fighting for us. I want to tell each and every one of you this morning, he's still fighting for you, Brother Glass. He's still fighting for your lost family. He's still fighting for your lost kids. He's still fighting for your lost loved ones. He's still fighting. He has not abandoned you. He has not given up on you. He still has revival for you and for this church and for your family. But if you're here this morning in your life and you, that doesn't do it for you, that sounds great, Chase. That sounds great. That doesn't do it for me. I'm here with some good news for you. If all you feel is still like a remnant, if you just feel like a remnant, I want to tell you, God, God works in the remnant. If that's where you're at this morning, I want to tell you that God works in the remnant. Furthermore, God does his best work in the remnant. It was in a remnant of a young lad's leftovers that were brought to Jesus. And when he was done, the remnant of a little boy's lunch fed 5,000 people. Don't you tell me Jesus doesn't work in remnants. And 5,000 broken, hurting remnants were fed by a remnant. God takes the remnants to feed the remnants. The reason why you're going through what you're going through is God has a purpose for you and a plan for you. And when he's done with you, you're going to be an impact on someone's life. You're going to be able to speak life into someone's dead situation. He's going to take your remnant and feed another remnant because that's the God we serve. God does his best work in the nothingness. You may feel like you're stuck in a dark, void, lifeless place, but I'm here to tell you that the God we serve, he specializes in dark, void, lifeless places. Don't believe me? The Bible says it in Genesis chapter 1. The whole creation, everything we read, this whole conglomeration of books, it starts with this in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. I want to remind you of this word this morning. When God stepped on this planet, there was nothing. It was void. It was, there was not a single thing. But when he got done talking, when he got done speaking, what you see is what he made. And what you see with God is what you get. And you may feel like you you're in a dark, void, lifeless place. But I want to tell you, you're in the best place you can possibly be. Because you're in a place where God can show up and speak creative power in your life. You're in a place where God can show up and say, it may be dead, but i got to let there be. It may look over, but I ain't done yet. It may look like it's through, but I still have a plan. I just want to tell you this morning, God is able let us not forget who we serve. He's the creator of the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the birds, and you and me. 
creator, creator, creator God, God is able. Do you believe it? God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. He does more than what we ask for. He doesn't just answer your little small dreams. He answers big dreams. It was Isaiah that said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So if you're brokenhearted this morning, there has been a spirit, and it's the Holy Ghost, it's the spirit of Jesus. It has been sent to heal your broken heart, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and opening of the prisons to those who are abound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance from our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, oil for the joy of mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, they that be called, to they that may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. I read all that to tell you this. You may look around and you may just see a bunch of debris. You may just see a bunch of ashes. You may not even have some fragments. You may not even have some remnants. You may not have nothing at all. But the word of God says in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61, he's taking ashes and he's turning them to beauty. He's taking ugly things and making them beautiful things. He's taking broken things and he's making restored things. He's taking things that are forgotten about, abandoned and left alone and sending them hope, joy, peace and liberty. I'm here to tell somebody, God is moving in your life today. God is working in your behalf today. And he works in the fragments. It was Jesus, Jesus that made this statement. He said, gather up the fragments so that nothing is lost. Can I just tell you this morning, can I encourage you this morning that there is no waste with God? There is no loss with God. When he promises you something, he's able to perform it. It's so believed that Apostle Paul proclaims us in the book of Romans chapter 4 that God is able to perform what he has promised. And I want to tell you this morning, if he gave you a promise, he hasn't forgotten it. If he gave you a word, he hasn't changed his mind. If he gave you a vision and a future and an and and expected end, it's still your end. It's still your future and your life may seem over, but God is not done with you yet. Your life may seem done but God is not finished with you and where you're at may seem pointless but you just gotta wait until the mender gets a hold of your life because it was Jesus that said gather the fragments that remain so if you can gather the fragments of your life if you can gather what's left over God can move you may have found yourself you may have been asking yourself here this morning yesterday whenever God, when are you going to deliver me? When are you going to help me? When am I going to be able to stop with this habit? When are you going to open that door? When are you going to give me that good job? When are you going to bring my family back to church? When are you going to help my family, God? When are you going to answer my prayers? You've been telling God, God, time is running out. I'm looking around and there's not a whole lot of time left. When, God? Things are getting bad, Lord. When, God? When are you going to do what you said you're going to do? Life is getting too hard. When, God? I'm going to tell you this morning what Peter says in his 
epistle to the church, but may the God of grace who called you, called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ. After you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I want to give you some scripture this morning to back what I'm saying. I'm not up here just preaching some pie in the sky. I'm giving you scripture because you know it's true and it's bound. God is bound by his word. You may feel shipwrecked and abandoned in the middle of your worst storm and the waves of your life may be crashing around you, but you might, and you might just be stuck, but you may be asking yourself, where is God? And when is God? And how is God? And I just want to tell you this morning that God is about to step into that wind that you've been asking about. Maybe you've just remained. Maybe you've just been holding on. Maybe you just barely got here this morning, but I'm here to proclaim to somebody this morning that God is about to take the fragments of your life. He's about to take the pieces of what you have left and bring you out of your grave, out of your tomb, out of your pain, out of your depression, out of your anxiety, out of your fear, and bring you into your blessing, and bring you into your joy, and bring you into your peace, and bring you into your best life. You just got to get it to God. You just got to gather what remains. It may look like it's over, but God does his best work with fragments. Excuse me. He can take pieces of your broken life and put it all back together. It's a crazy thing about life is life this morning. When life starts out, it's just potential. I remember being 13, 16, 18. Oh boy, you got so much potential. Boy, you got so much potential. Oh boy. But when you hear that at 36, that's not a good thing. So if you're 36 and someone said that to you, we'll pray about it after church. You got potential. Josh, I could hold my life in my hands. You could hold it. You see the dreams. You see the aspirations. You see what you have a future. You know you have a future, and you know that you want an expected end. You see the life in front of you. You see what God has promised for you, and you can carry it around, and it's yours. It's your life, and God has given it to you, and it seems like nothing can stop you, and nothing can stop the trajectory of your life, but does it take but one mistake to break the pieces in your life? And then all of a sudden, the the life that was so easy to carry is now nothing but a bunch of pieces, and it seems like every time you try to pick up those pieces, they get broken into more pieces and it seems like every time you try to make more of where you're at that it's more pieces it seems like every time you try to fix where you've been it's more and life gets heavy and life gets hard and circumstances happen and you get laid off of your job and you find out your spouse is being unfaithful and you find out that your mama's got cancer and you find out that everything in your life isn't what it was supposed to be and you look around and what was once whole is now nothing more than a bunch of pieces what was so easy easy to carry around. Now you've got to take everything you have just to carry it with you. What was so easy to show off and to look at the potential. Now it's so hard to carry because life has happened. But I want to tell you this morning, if you can just gather what remains, if you can just gather what remains, if you can just find a place in prayer, if you can just find an altar, if you can just gather Ah, he cannot allow my yando color or my yando color or my ha. 
I'm speaking to a church this morning that's nothing but a bunch of fragments. And it seems like you can't gather your life. You know what? Gathering, it takes some humility. It's hard. It's not cute to gather. It don't look good in those good suits to gather. It don't look good in your circles to gather. You got to get on your knees to gather. You got to get some things up to gather. But when you start gathering what remains and you start putting back, oh, God, it's not a whole lot. I can't make much of it. But God is just pieces. All I got is these pieces. All I got is these pieces. But, Lord, I know, I know, I know if I can get these pieces to you. I know, God, you said nothing will be lost. Nothing, nothing, nothing. God doesn't make mistakes, folks. You hear me? God doesn't make mistakes. Your life is not a big mistake. It's not some giant conundrum. It's not a, oh. I know it's hard to believe because there's people in this room that's been through some tragedy and to swallow that pill and say, God doesn't make mistakes, but I have to lean on his word because that's all I have. That's all we have is his word. That's all we have is him. That's where he wants us when all we can say is, God, it's a bunch of pieces. God, it's nothing but a mess. Lord, I've messed it up, but Lord, I'm clinging to you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Your life, your life. Hold on. Your life. It may seem like a bunch of pieces. Austin, it's a bunch of pieces. Toby, this is just pieces. It's just pieces. How can God help this? How, how can God anoint this? How can God use this to reach our community? How can God use this to, to reach my family? How can God use these pieces, Dana? Huh? Memo, how? How? How can I tell you how? The Bible says that he is the prince of peace. And if you'll just humor me this, humor me this morning, I'd like to recoin that just for a second. He's not only the prince of the peace. He's the prince of the pieces. He's the prince of the pieces of your life. He's the prince of the pieces of your problems. He's the prince of what you're going through. He's the prince of what you're faced with. He's the prince with every trial, everything that you're going against. He's the prince of it all. And it may seem like you're alone and you're abandoned, but you got to remember one thing. He's the prince of the pieces, and he's not left you, abandoned you, or forsaken you. In Jesus' name. Steve when? Toby, you can hop on the keys. I'm about done. Steve when? Billionaire, real estate, investor, and art collector. He acquired Pablo Picasso's painting called the, the, the Lorev back in 2001 from an anonymous art collector who bought the painting for $48.4 million in a 1997 auction. And after holding on to the painting for several years, Wynn decided in 2006 that he wanted to sell the painting. He worked out a deal with hedge fund superstar Stephen Cohen, in which Cohen would pay 
and $39 million for the painting. That's a nice, that's a nice sum. That would set some of us up for the rest of our lives. Some of y'all would get you to Macy's and back. Um, some of y'all. It's okay, I'm with you. But he sold the painting for $139 million, which would have been the highest amount ever at that time paid for a piece of artwork in history. And after the deal was made, one of Cohen's representatives went to inspect the painting shortly after and determined that the painting was in excellent condition and a condition report was written up on the painting and a deal was essentially done. All that remained was the exchange of the painting and the money. But, it's always a but, before the exchange was made, some of Wynn's friends, they wanted to see this painting. They wanted to see the famous Lorev. Who would want to see Pablo Picasso's art? I don't even know who he is, and I want to see it, right? Taylor's going to beat me up for that. She loves art. So Wynn had a get-together in his office. and It was at the, uh, the Wynn Las Vegas Resort where he was housing the Lorev. And while telling the story of the Lorev to the guests with his back turned to the painting, Wynn, who suffers from uh, uh, retinous pigmentosa, an eye disease that affects the peripheral vision, backed up a step while talking and made a hand gesture that ended up puncturing the painting. Before he even knew it, his elbow had torn a hole in this 100 and $39 million painting. After he realized that his multi, he had made a multi-million dollar mistake, he simply told his guests, well, I'm glad that it was me and not you. But soon after, Wren, Wren reached out to his dealer, William Aquavella, to tell him, sadly, of the damage of this painting, the Larev, which undoubtedly crushed him. The painting was no longer for sale because it was now damaged. The $139 million was lost. The Lorev was ruined. Ruined by a simple mistake. Ruined by a slip up. An accident. Uh-oh. Oh, man, I didn't mean to do that. Something that was so precious. So sought after. So valuable was now worthless all over one moment's mistake and it wasn't until some time after that when found out about this art specialist who specialized in restoring damaged art back to good as new soon after the painting wound up in the hands of the art restorer who told when that when it was done in six to eight weeks that he wouldn't even be able to tell the damage from his elbow it would be good as new Skeptical, but he did it anyways. After a few weeks had passed, the restorer reached out to win with great news. He said, the painting is restored and was ready to be picked up. And to win surprise, he couldn't tell that there was ever a rip in the painting. Afterwards, because of the great story and how awesome it was, Wynn wound up keeping the painting after the restoration and until 2013, when Cohen ended up purchasing the painting from Wynn for $155 million. It's a story that still baffles art collectors to this day. 
on how something so damaged could still hold so much value. And it still drives the devil crazy today. You see, he made a mistake and his, his history was set. But it drives him crazy how we can make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. And Jesus just sits there and says, I still love you. I still care about you. You still have my heart. I do it all over again. It baffles our adversary how something with so much damage could still be so worth 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 so much worth it baffles the adversary how he can only make one mistake but we can make countless mistakes and still be so valuable to God how valuable valuable enough to robe himself in flesh come to this nasty old rotten hot planet and put on flesh and walk where we walk walk down the the, 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 the alleyway to the hill of Golgotha and give his life on a cross I just want to tell you this morning you may not have but pieces of your life left. But God can take your pieces and make the greatest masterpiece. You may not have but just a bunch of unanswered questions and problems and they seem like unanswered and unfulfilled dreams and prayers but I want to tell you this morning you're not too damaged you're not too damaged for God and if you can gather yourself God is ready to meet you at the remnant table this morning God is ready to meet you at that table and say it may look like a bunch of worthless no good scraps that should have been thrown away in the trash but when I get through with your life no one's going to recognize you and everybody's going to want you. Everybody's going to want what you got. Stand to your feet this morning. I'm speaking to somebody this morning that walked in this house and you felt like you was nothing more. You were nothing more than a remnant. A remnant of what God had promised you. I want to tell you right now, you need to gather yourself. Gather where you're at. Gather yourself and make your way down to an altar. Because gathering Gathering ain't pretty. Gathering your mistakes aren't pretty. But I want to tell you right now, the beauty, the beauty, the beauty is worth it. Give me that check. The beauty is worth it. It ain't pretty, Caleb. It's worth it. You hear me? It ain't pretty, church, but it's worth it. It ain't easy, church, but it's necessary. This world's wrapping up. I ain't trying to scare nobody. I'm just going to state the obvious because it's all over the news. Addie, Addie, it's worth it, baby. It's worth it. It's worth it. Your family's still worth it. Man, mom, there's still hope. There's still hope. It's still worth it. And I just ask you this morning, as I open these altars, who, who is sick and tired enough of the scraps? Say, God, I'm going to gather these remains, and 
I'm going to find myself down at an altar. And I'm going to pour my life out to you. I don't care how ugly it is. I don't care how broken I may seem. All that really matters is that I need to be in your hands. I've tried everybody else's hands. I need to be in your hands. These altars are open this morning. Go ahead and begin to make your way forward. If you need prayer, if that's you this morning, if you feel like you need a touch from God this morning, make your way. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with your life yet.